Lord a great clap offering. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. We continue with our course here. Amen. Um, last Thursday, they talked about the church. And I talked about how the church in Lesson 6 talked about how it's, it's the Iglesia. It's the called out ones, the chosen ones. Amen. And so tonight, I'm going to be talking about the ordinance of the church, which is, is a little different than, than it talks about the functions of the church. And so uh, if you have your Bibles with me, amen, you can go ahead and set up in Matthew chapter 28, Matthew 28. Before that, let's go ahead and read right here what it says in verse 1. It says, when, excuse the scripture, um, question 1. What is the meaning of the word ordinance? The word ordinance means something we are commanded to do. Jesus commands his church to baptize believers and to receive the Lord's Supper. Water baptism and the Lord's Supper are called ordinance. Also means, like, also means service, a, a service. So look at, verse, look at the question two. What is the meaning of the word uh, baptism? Or baptize. The word baptize comes from the Greek word baptize, which simply means to dip, to emerge, or to put under water. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you tonight for your presence that's in this place. God, I pray that you will help us to understand, Father God, your word, that we will show ourselves approved, oh God, through your word and through your gospel, God, that we would be prepared, God, able to know what you want of us, oh God, that we would stand as a church and as believers in Christ. Lord, that you will help us, O oh God, to simplify the gospel, God, that we can understand it clearly, Lord, in Jesus' name. And everybody says, amen. amen. Come on, give the Lord one more great clap offering, amen, tonight. You know, uh, um, as we look really quick, is he commands the church, amen, uh, that there be order. Someone say order. Order. You, you'll see a lot of places where there's, there's no order. You'll see a lot of crazy stuff going on. And God wants the church to be ordered because the Bible talks about how the spirit is subject to man. What that means is uh, that the, the Spirit of God is not going to be out of order. It's not going to be, well, the pastor's preaching, people are going to be jumping down doing flips in the church. Amen. There's going to be, someone say order. 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 So God is saying there's order, and then, then there's the ordinance of the church. This is how I, this is the order of the service. This is the things that we do, and, and which consists of baptisms, and it consists of the Lord's Supper. And that's what we're going to be talking about today, about baptisms and the Lord's Supper. Um, in uh, Matthew 28, verse 19, 28. Verse 19 says this words, amen. I used to have somebody read for me, but not tonight, I guess. And verse 19 says this, go ye therefore and teach all nations. Baptize them in the name of the what? Father. And of the what? Son. And of the what? Holy Ghost. He, 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 we got to understand question three. Why is the believer, excuse me, why is the believer baptized? Because it's a command. That word go is a command. Someone say command. He didn't say please. He didn't say if you want to. He says, I'm going to say go. He said go. When you tell your kids to go, you ain't asking them. They're telling them, go. And God is saying us go and therefore and teach all nations and baptizing in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. It's a, it's a command. That's why we're baptizing because God's commanding us. Amen. Look at question four. What are the requirements of baptism? This is where a lot of people get confused. A lot of people get weird because they'll get to come to church and they want to get baptized and they're not even saved yet. And, or, or they'll, they'll come and, and, and let's go through this really quick. Let's look at question four. Question four says, 
What are the requirements of water baptisms? Look at A. Only believers in Jesus Christ should be baptized. Look at Acts chapter 2, verse 38 says this. Then Peter said to them, repent. Someone say repent. And be baptized. He didn't say get baptized and then repent. He, someone say repent. Repent and be baptized. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins or the forgiveness of your sins and you shall receive the gift. Someone say the Holy Ghost. Amen. Now the Greek um, construction here can also be translated be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ because of the forgiveness of our sins. A water baptism cannot save anyone. It is faith in Jesus Christ as one Lord and Savior that can. Amen. That come on somebody. Amen. It, it, it's, it's not the baptism that can save you. We're, we're going to talk about more about that in a little bit. But it, it's believing in Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Look at B. Acts 8, 12, 8, 12. 8, 12 says this. But when they believed, Philip preached the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ. They were baptized, both men and women. The believer must be old enough to know what he is doing. You with me? You, you got to understand it says, it says when the believer and Philip preached the things concerning the kingdom of God, and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. They had to, he was preaching, they had to co comprehend what was being preached. Amen. They had to listen to what's being preached. Everybody with me so far? A lot of times the young, young kids want to get baptized and it's all, oh, because everybody else is doing it. And they don't even know. They don't know. And so sometimes families get hurt and we get hurt. Oh, well, my son, you know, he's, he, he wants, but he really needs to be coherent of what he's learning and who Jesus Christ is. And come on, somebody, amen. And they really, you, you can't get offended, family, and person because, because they told me, I tell people all the time at the age we start baptizing, what age do we start baptizing at? At nine years old. We talk about nine years old, they pretty much know, for nine years old, my daughter is nine years old. She's, she's ready to get baptized this year. She's excited. And she's like, that, that I know why Jesus died for me. And all this stuff, like, oh, you, you, that's all right. Come on. But they all wanted to get baptized when they were younger. I said, no, you can't. It's, you got to respect. Respect. Everyone else is, everybody else is going to go through it. So respect it. Amen. Everybody with me so far? Okay, look at, we are in question five. Question five. This is, this is very important here. How is water baptism a type of death and resurrection of Christ? Which is Colossians 2, 12, 2.12. 2.12 says this. Buried with him in baptism, where also you were raised with him through the faith of the what? Operation of God, who has what? Raised him from what? The dead. So buried him within, in, in baptism. So water baptism is a picture, a picture of death to sin. Our sins Excuse me, rising from the waters to living like Jesus. So in other words, we, because we, uh, I want to get hit on myself, this, this, we're going to take a little time here to set up. Let's go with uh, um, um, number B, which is Romans 6, 38 through 5. Know you not that so many of us, as we're baptized into Jesus Christ, we're baptized into his death. Therefore, we are buried with him by 
baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. Mm, mm, mm. Now here, water baptism, the type of death and resurrection. Listen carefully. When you go down in the water of baptism, you are actually buried with Christ. Okay? As you come up from the water, you are telling the world that you are dead to sin. Come on, somebody. Amen. And rise to love in the newness of Christ. So in other words, it's just a symbol of what's going on on the inside. It's just showing everybody else that, you know what, man, that ain't me no more. Come on, somebody. I mean, that, that ain't me no more. And, and so you got to understand that baptism here is saying the old you has dead. The old me is dead. The old me is dead. The old me is dead. And, and, and that's why baptism means to, to simply means to dip, to emerge, to put under. We're putting to death, to burial uh, um, the old. Someone say the old. The old us, the, the, the sinful man. And we're, and we're coming up. And we're a new man. We're a new woman. Come on, somebody. Amen. That, that's what baptism is through death and resurrection. Amen. We're going to be having baptisms. So we're going to send up for those that haven't been baptized. We're going to be having baptisms. Come on, somebody. Amen. Next month we'll be having baptisms. So we're signing up for baptisms. And we do a baptism once a year. Amen. Once a year we do baptisms. And we have, a, we have our, our building next door right here has a, 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 bat, a baptism. So we did, we'll do baptisms next, next month. Amen. Here we go in verse C. says, water baptism is an outward act picturing an inward born-again experience. Look at D. Water baptism does not save you, okay? It tells the world that you are already saved. Water baptism is a symbol that you are beginning a new life. Come on, somebody. Amen. Come on, give the Lord a great clap offering. Amen. Amen. Uh, some people believe, amen, that... that, uh, that that, man, I, I need to get baptized to be saved. No, listen, salvation is through Jesus Christ. Come on, somebody. The salvation is through Jesus Christ. Baptism is just an outward expression on what's going on the inside. Amen. Some people say, well, if I'm not baptized, am I going to go to heaven? Am I not going to go to, if I don't get baptized, am I going to go to hell? No, the Bible talks about that there was one on the cross that couldn't get baptized, but he still made it to heaven. Amen. So it, let me tell you something. This is just an expression showing people. Amen. That you have an experience with God and you want, to, want the old to die. Come on, somebody. Amen. Just an outward expression again. Look at, look at number six. How should we be baptized? How should we be baptized? Scripture baptized is by immersing or dipping in water. Jesus set the example for us. John baptized him in First John, excuse me, Mark chapter 1, verse 6. And John was clothed with camel's hair and with the girdle of a skin about his loins. And he did eat locusts and wild honey. And preached, saying, There comes one mightier than I after me, the lace of whose shoes I am not worthy to stoop down and unloose. I indeed have baptized you with water, but he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost. Now look at this carefully. He's saying, I'm gonna, there's one coming. I'm going to baptize him in water. But then the other baptism that he's going to do is going to be baptism of the Holy Ghost. Come on, somebody, amen. Go ahead, help. And it came to pass in those days that Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized of John in the Jordan. 
And straightway coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens open and the spirit like a dove descending on him. And there came a voice from heaven saying, you are my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Mm. Hallelujah. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. So I'm telling you, amen. Uh, here's Jesus. Jesus was baptized and he's showing us an example. Amen. An exampleship. Amen. That if amen, that we can do it, 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 it everything will be okay. And, and how, how the simplicity of it, John, here's John, John obeying the word of God. John was obeying the word of God. Like I said, he was being the ordinance of the church. He was being the ordinance of the church. And he did this. And in return, great things took place. Look at carefully as we read in, in B. Water baptisms should be administrated in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, which is in Matthew 28, 19. We read that and read it again. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Come on, somebody. Amen. Amen. Come on, amen. Uh, uh, some people say, well, I want to be baptized in the name of Jesus, which is okay. Then the Father, Jesus, and the Holy Ghost, amen. Amen. Um, here it goes. Communion of the Lord's Supper. Communion of the Lord's Supper. What does the word communion mean? The word communion mean? The word communion comes from the Greek word kononi, which, watch out, hello, somebody. Kononi, which means, that sounds Hawaiian, right, there, but it's Greek. Uh, a fellowship. Or sharing together. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty three. Don't you just read a couple of those? For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. Mm -hmm. Well, stop right there. Yeah. Now, now, now listen to this really quick, church. The word communion comes from the Greek word konini, which means a fellowship or, or sharing together. Here, 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 look at the, listen, listen to what I'm going, what's going on here. Baptism is literally that the old us is being buried and being dipped, and the new us is coming up. Now, communion comes into a place of saying, now I'm going to fellowship with God and fellowship with others. Amen. And so come on, somebody. So God, God covers every area of our lives. Amen. God covers every area of our lives. And so look at, look at verse 8. It uh, says this in, in question 8. When they had finished eating, what Jesus do? Or what did Jesus do? 1 Corinthians eleven twenty three. For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. What did he take? Bread. bread. He took a loaf of bread. Hallelujah. He took a loaf of bread and came back. Some of them take a loaf of bread and don't want to come back. He took a, he took a loaf of bread, church. And that's what we all the time in the men's room, we would say, break bread, break bread. We would say all the time, break bread. Somebody get a piece of uh, something, food, break bread, share, hallelujah. Let's have some fellowship. Break bread means let's have some fellowship, amen. Look at number nine. What did Jesus say the broken bread represented? Very important right here. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is Right broken. there, take, eat, this is my what? My body. His body that was broken for us. Jesus' body was broken for us, church. Listen, look at the footnote right here. When one takes a piece of broken bread or the body into his own life, he's confessing that all believers are one body, the church. All believers 
are one loaf, one body. Jesus' body gives us healing. You can be healed while receiving the Lord's Supper. The bread represents the body of Christ. Come on, somebody. Amen. And, and, and so we, I'll pick a partake. And I've seen people get healed during communion. Communion does so much stuff. And we're talking about why, why that takes place. Look, look at question 10. What does the cup represent? Okay, the bread represents, amen, his body. The cup represents, here we go, his, his blood represents this. Go ahead, the cup. For this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. Mm, mm, mm. It's the new covenant and the blood of Jesus that was shed. Amen. First Corinthians, go to First Corinthians eleven twenty-five. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. Wow. So the new covenant, excuse me, the cup represents the new covenant and the blood of Jesus Christ. The Bible says the blood of Jesus, his son cleanses us from all sin. Amen. And so we've we got to understand that, that the cup is representing the blood of Jesus, okay? Look at Gordon number 11. What is the purpose of the Lord's Supper? And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. The purpose is to do it in the remembrance of Jesus Christ. Okay? In the remembrance of Jesus Christ. Now, listen closely. You guys know we, we started talking about this. We started doing this study about this. And, and uh, you need to understand that you need to be prepared and know why we do certain things. You can't just go into something and not know why you do it. We have communion every month. Every beginning of the month, we have communion. The things I talk about this stuff. Uh, I, I share about certain things about it. And so I, I can sit here and do what we can do. We can, we, can, we can have a service. I've been preaching. This is my fifth day straight, straight preaching. I preached Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, did a revival. Now I'm coming here teaching. I, I, um, I had, my daughter was in the hospital at 3 o'clock in the morning. We just got back from the hospital. She got really bad, and she wanted to come do the, still pay the bass. I said, okay, man, that's what you want to do. Go ahead. I says, and, and, and I'm telling you, listen carefully. I could have I just said, you know, let's just continue. Let's forget about that. Let's just go in and preach it. But no, that's all great and dandy. But if we don't know exactly what we stand for, and we don't know our word, and we don't know our doctrine, and know what we stand for as a church and as a body, then the devil's going to have a field day. Come on, somebody, amen. So understand this. Know why you take communion. Know why you get baptized. Know why you come to church. Know why you read your Bible. Amen. This is all the things that we talked about. No, why? Amen. Uh, uh, why we're saved by grace and why we talk about that. Why, why, why we, we grow spiritually. Why, why the church? All these things. No, why? So you can grow strong and be spiritually healthy. Come on, somebody. Spiritually healthy. Spiritually ready. Amen. Amen. I don't know about you, but I, I've been teaching this thing for whew, over 20 years. Amen. And I love teaching. I love teaching this because why? Because because not only does it, does it help you, it helps me. Amen. I, I love going over this stuff. Look at number 12. Who can participate in the Lord's Supper? One born again believing in Christ. Come on, somebody. One who believes in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the one that should be taking, amen, the Lord's Supper. Look at number 13. What must Christians do before they participate in the Lord's Supper? 1 Corinthians eleven twenty-eight. But let a man examine himself. And what so must he do? Examine he examine himself. You must check yourself. You must examine yourself. 
Amen. The examination is to find out if there's any sin in your life. The examination is to find out if there's any hatred or bitterness towards other Christians. How many know sometimes we pick up things? We get hurt, we get mad, we get frustrated. And we get all these weird things inside of us. And because and, and, and life itself is hard sometimes. Amen. You, you, you pick up all these things and God says, you need to examine yourself. You get that junk out of you. Come on, somebody. God don't want us to walk like that in bitterness and unforgiveness. He don't want us to walk in hatred. He says, you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna remember me like that? Question 14 says, what is one guilty of when he eats the bread and drinks the cup of the Lord under worthy majesty? Listen to me. The bread is the body. The cup is the blood of Jesus. And we do this in the remembrance of him, right? Right, right? Okay, now listen to this. He says, so what is one guilty when he does this, when he doesn't examine himself, when he's going to take my body and take my blood, my body which was given to him, amen, to be beaten for our transgressions and for our iniquities so that we will get healed, and the blood which represents uh, repentance, salvation. He says, now you're going to come in and take this, bitter, hateful, Stubborn? He says, so my thing to you, what is one guilty when he does this in an unworthy manner? 1 Corinthians eleven twenty-seven. Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy way will be guilty of sin against the body and blood of the Lord. Wow. Guilty, amen. He, one is guilty of sin against Jesus Christ. Against the body and the blood. Wow. How many of you have been guilty of something? The rest of you guys are lying. Praise the Lord. <laughs> and, and so sometimes he's saying, examine yourself. I don't want to continue my Christianity with all this weird stuff in me. I want it out of me. Come on, somebody. I want it out of me. Come on. I want it out of me. Amen. So we got to examine ourselves. We check ourselves. Amen. And look, look, at, look at verse 5. Look at verse 15. Question 15. Excuse me. Question 15. How can one eat and drink of the cup in an unworthy manner? Well, how do I do this in an unworthy manner? How, how, how is this? When you practice or when you participate in sin and participate in the Lord's Supper. When you are continuing partying, drinking, and, and going out there messing around and doing dope and going all this stuff and out there uh, fornicating. And then you want to come to church and be like, okay, let's take the supper. Here we go. Listen, listen. When be when there is hatred now, or bitterness towards other Christians, or a member of Christ's body, he says, when you have this junk in you, when you have hatred and you have bitterness, and oh, I hate my mom, I hate my dad, I hate my brother, I hate my, I hate my husband, I hate my wife, and oh, I can't stand them. He says, and you take communion, and you partake of me, and this is inside you. You're drinking this in an unworthy manner. That's why I always tell you guys in the beginning, before we do it, what do I tell you guys? Examine yourself. Check yourself. Amen? Check yourself. I remember when I first got saved 25 years ago, when we do communion, my pastor would be right there. He says, okay, now go tell the neighbor, tell someone you don't like, tell them to forgive you. 
someone, you got something wrong, go up there and talk to them and tell them. I, I tell you, I don't always talk about, I always say that you guys do that. But everybody's like, but if you guys, listen, <laughs> we all go through things, we're all human. But that's the same way, we all make mistakes, we all, we all say stuff that's not sometimes out of, out, of, out of character, out of whack. We have to learn at the same time how to repent and how to accept forgiveness, Amen. Come on, somebody, amen. How to, how to say sorry and how to accept, amen, accept it from someone else. Amen. Look at, here we go, really, numbers, um, question 16. What can I do? What can I do if I'm living in sin or if I have bitter feelings towards another Christian? 1 John 1, 9, what can I do? If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Wow. So if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just, church. Come on, amen. Come on, somebody. He is faithful and just, amen, and, uh, to forgive us of all our sins. Then go ahead and read uh, Matthew 5, 21. You have heard that it was said of them of old time, you shall not kill, and whoever shall kill shall be in danger of judgment. But I say to you that whoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And whoever shall say to his brother, Raka, shall be in danger of the council. But whoever shall say, you fool, shall be in danger of hell fire. Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar, and there remember that your brother has aught against you. Leave there your gift before the altar and go your way. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Agree with your advers adversary quickly while you are in the way with him. Least at any time the adversary deliver you to the judge and the judge deliver you to the officer and you be cast into prison. Truly I say to you, you shall by no means come out there till you have paid the uttermost farthing. Wow. Listen to this. He's saying, he's saying these words. He's saying, man, if... If I have this, I'm, I'm, this is what's going on. He says, this, this is what we need to do. We need to confess our sins. And when you confess our sins, and God said, I'll forgive you. He says, then also I will reconcile you. We can, you, you can fix those bridges that we burned. Reconciliation is, is to fix. Come on, somebody. It's to fix the damaged things in our lives. I, I reconciled with my family, with my, with my, with my mom. I, 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 she, she, we had a horrible relationship growing up. And because I, I asked God to forgive me of all my sins, and I asked God to forgive all the stuff that was going on in my life, all of a sudden God began to reconcile all this stuff that I have damaged. Amen. And so the God is a God of reconciliation. Come on, somebody. Amen. God's a God of reconciliation. Amen. Look at uh, number 17. What if someone refuses to examine his heart and repent of his sins, but, but, but excuse me, what, participates in the Lord's Supper? What will happen to him? 1 Corinthians 11, 29. For he that eats and drinks unworthily eats and drinks damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. Wow. What, what happens? We, we, you're drinking God's judgment upon yourself. You're judging yourself. Amen. Listen, listen to that. That's heavy. Fear that eats and drinks an unworthy manner, eats and drinks damnation. You damn yourself. It's funny how we like the scriptures that talk to us, how we're blessed, 
how great is he that's greater he that's in me than he that's in the world. Amen. Uh, that I'm the head and not the nargas. Hello, somebody. We, all these scriptures that we, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. But when the scripture tells us, hey, st- oh, oh, no, oh, oh, she says, we get weird. We're like, oh, my, no, that's not, the, not Jesus, not God. No, 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 it's the word. Instructions. And so we have to understand, Job said, should I also glory in just in my adversities? Excuse me. And, and he goes, should, should I love God in just in my adversities, but also in, in the times of prosperity? At both times, calling the good and the bad. Good and bad, good and bad. He says, no, no, good and bad's going to happen. Amen. Sometimes we hear scriptures that are too much, and that's the truth. But it's those scriptures that wake us up. Amen. Look at 18. How... Does practicing or participating, I keep on saying practicing, it's the same thing. <laughs> How does uh, participating in the Lord's Supper in an unworthy manner affect you physically? Wow. It's 1 Corinthians eleven thirty. For this cause many are weak and sickly among you and many sleep. Wow. It may, it may make you weak, sick, and even die. It's, it's straight out. When you can learn to fear God, fear God is the beginning of what? Wisdom. When you begin to respect that word, it helps you become a better individual. How to become a, a greater man. Come on, a greater woman of God. And we've been to respect with that word of God. Now that fear, I'm not saying a fear like, oh my God, terrible. No, a fear of reverence, of respect. Amen. 19, what does not discerning or judging the Lord's body rightly mean? That's what it means. It means that the person who eats and drinks unworthy does not realize the meaning of the symbol. He eats and drinks with no respect and sense of the, of the love that this symbol stands for. You see what I'm saying? They don't understand that, that, that in other words, the, the, the symbolic meaning of of doing communion, you don't really respect it. Amen. And you have, we have to learn to respect it, reverence it. Everybody okay? Okay. Getting quiet in this holy place. Look at B. It means that you fail to recognize the value of other members of the Lord's body. When in your heart there's hatred and bitterness towards them. See, when you don't really talk about when you really don't discern and understand it, you're like, you you you're failed to recognize that something's wrong with you. Because if nothing was wrong with you, then why do you always talk bad about that person? Why do you always see that person you go the other way? Why when you mention that person's name, you get mad out? You fail to recognize, amen, that the Lord's body, the Lord's communion, and you fail to recognize that there's hatred in your heart. Amen. How many here can ever say that when you mention someone's name, you didn't like, oh. Both my hands go up, amen. If I put my feet up, I'm going to fall, hallelujah. But I have to learn to get it out of me. Learn to get it out of me. Look at number 20, number 20. We're almost done here. We're almost done. What is Christian fellowship? What is Christian fellowship? Uh, the word fellowship comes from the Greek word koinonia, which means sharing in something. The New Testament, amen, um, koinonia was, was sharing. 
Acts 2, look at this in Acts 2, 44. This, I love this, 44 to 47. And all that believed were together and had all things common and sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men as every man had need. And they continually daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart. Praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. Mm, mm, mm. Why it's, it's, uh, how can I say this? How can, how, can I, how can I really, do you know this, that these people were sharing, let me read the footnote. We can share something with someone such as money, talent, food, clothing, words of encouragement, our failures, our personal needs, we can share in something with someone such as joy, sorrow, victory, or anything in common. Here, these people, man, they were having revival. They were like, man, let's, let, let's take care of each other. Let's help each other. And they did what, what they did everything that was needed. They, they, they came together. They were together. They fellowshiped together. And uh, there was a common goal, a common purpose. Amen. Look at number 21. Why is fellowship important? Proverbs 27, 17. Iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the continents of his friend. Come on, somebody. Amen. Iron sharpens iron because, because we sharpen each other. We sharpen each other. Amen. We sharpen each other. It's so important that we fellowship and we, we come together. Amen. Number 22, what is the purpose of Christian meeting together? Hebrews 10, 24, 25. And let us consider one another to provoke to love and to good works. Mm. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Amen. The purpose is to encourage each other, to lift each other up. Come on, somebody. Amen. To encourage, to lift each other up. And, and this is the thing that says this, and not forsaking the assembly of ourselves is coming together and not forsaking, amen, a place where we can. I tell people all the time, you know, we have, we have service on Thursday, we have service on Sundays, and one month is almost like 20 hours, not even compared to one whole day. And not even a whole day. And that means that we don't even give almost a whole time of our, our, our lives. And so we got to understand that it is, it's not a lot. Amen. But he's telling us, don't forsake it. Come to the place where God can encourage you. God can build you up. Come on, somebody. God can, God can meet you there. God, God, can, God can speak to you. God can even challenge you. God can challenge you. Amen. I've been challenged. Over all these years, I've been challenged. Amen. And, and, and the preaching and the teaching and the word of God, I've been challenged. Amen. Look at 23. What is genuine Christian fellowship? Genuine Christian fellowship is sacrificial sharing and giving to one another. Amen. That, that, it's sacrificial. It's a sacrificial thing. Sacrificially. Amen. Why don't you go and stand with me tonight, church? Stand with me tonight. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, a lot of us, we, we, we deal with a lot of different things. We deal with a lot of different stuff. We deal with a lot of things in our, in our lives. And sometimes it's, we're used to not... Uh, putting our walls down and we're used to having walls up and we're used to being defensive and we're used to not uh, listening to a lot of things. We're, we're, we're taught a certain way to do certain things. 
And God saying, when you come to my house, when you come to my, to me, I do things different. I want you to know that you have to learn to put your walls down. Learn to be open. Learn to let go. Learn to let go of the hurt and the pain. Learn to let go of the bitterness and stuff, things that took in place in your life that seems like, God, why, why me? Why did this happen to me? God is saying to you, look at son, daughter, I love you, I care for you. You have to learn to confess your sins and let go. Get a fresh start, a new start.